We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. this game okay and you know how I feel about this team that is a great start but we're not about just the start as you know we're about that finish okay and that's gonna be week in week out we need everybody how about our defense 143 total yards (laughs) two of 15 on third down and we shut down that pass attack okay coach Schwartz get I'm very proud of the effort in this room, okay? Coaches, players, staff, I'm proud of the effort. But I just want to make sure that everybody in this circle knows we got plenty of work to do, all right? You don't arrive after week one, okay? That's not the mentality that we have in here. But I appreciate the effort. Hey, team on three. One, two, three. Welcome in everybody to what is a fantastic week one edition of your Victory Monday. The Cleveland Browns beat the Cincinnati Bengals in a pretty dominating fashion, 24-3. to We have a lot of stuff to cover. We're going to talk about this game. Before I consume the All-22, some immediate thoughts. Then we'll get over to the OBR's Twitch and YouTube show that we do now at 7.30, the Sunday Rewind, which is myself, Andrew Spade, Brad Ward, Michael Keefe, it's a great show. A lot going on on the latest OBR film breakdown. Let's get after it right now. All right, guys, welcome into the show. It's Jake Burns, your host. It is a, listen, it's a busy day. We've had a lot going on uh, here on this Sunday as I'm recording relatively late here. Put up on the OBR website um, a fun analysis of the, the second quarter, late second quarter touchdown that launched the Browns into a 10 nothing halftime lead. There were some very specific moments of that touchdown in the pre-snap process that stood out to me since studying Kevin Stefanski's arrival in 2020, how he goes about it, and then you know how that correlates to Deshaun Watson and giving him more 
uh, access to the offense, ability to to alter things on the field. That stood out to me a ton, so I really wanted to go very much into a deep dive. It really built in the nuance of play calling, two plays in the huddle, sometimes three plays in the huddle, and how you get from those plays at the line of scrimmage. Really fantastic 13-yard touchdown run with a great design. Kevin Stefanski noted that that was a play that uh, they put in a little late in the week, and they gave credit to Alex Van Pelt for finding that, identifying the front they wanted to run it against. All of the details are in that article. It is a uh, subscriber-only article. So if you were with the OBR website, that is available for you to consume. And I think it's really well worth it, and uh, I'll talk about it later this week after the um, consumption of the All-22. 75% off membership going on right now. If you want to read that article, that means like a $25 for the year to join us, getting the salary cap, film study, insider information, when it's available, and really just supporting the best Browns online community. So that's a great 75% season kickoff offer going on at the OBR. So listen, Browns, take care of business, right? You feel pretty good about how they came out and handled themselves in this game. It was a slow start. Right, slow start. I think both teams' offenses were struggling to find themselves in what we could all agree was a pretty ugly weather condition game that I don't think many of us saw coming. That's the sort of amazing part is that most weather forecasts, if you listen to Brad Ward and I talk on the game day pod, and then looking at what it looked like even during the game, I'm looking at this downpour happening and I can't figure out why the weather apps are telling me there's no rain, just some weird lake effect rain. And it really impacted both offenses to start. But I'll give the Browns credit getting up to that 10 nothing lead in the first half. And then it got to 10-3, but they pushed it out to 16-3. And then finally closed the door with a Harrison Bryant three-yard touchdown catch from Watson early in the fourth quarter to make it 24-3. And that ended up being your final score. Uh, I want to go through, we're going to do a ton of analysis in the show. If you missed the show, uh, we are going to go through uh, myself, Andrew, and the, and the cast at the OBR, uh, Brad and Mike. All of our thoughts, and I think we cover a lot of great stuff, so stick around for that. But I always like to give you some of the precursor stuff to that, which are stats from the game. So in this one, uh, pretty pretty amazing Browns dominance by the end. So first down, Cincinnati only had six first downs and zero red zone trips the entire game. The Browns had 21 first downs. Both teams struggled on third down, Cincinnati going 2 of 15, Browns going 4 of 14. But the net yards tell the story, 142 for Cincinnati, 350 for Cleveland, I'd probably have to go search. I'm going to imagine that 21 Bears game where the Browns had eight sacks is the last time they've had a total net yardage down down that low. So great debut for Jim Schwartz, his defense, making Joe Burrow extremely, extremely uncomfortable. Burrow goes 14 of 31, 82 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, but really just not effective in the least. A 52.2 quarterback rating. We'll see what the grades look like tomorrow, but... Boy, did they have Joe Burrow, and as uncomfortable as I've seen him, really since he came to Cleveland for October, the Halloween game last year, where he was, uh, you know, he ended up putting up more yards late because of some of the throws uh, when the game was out of reach. But this is as uncomfortable as I've seen Joe Burrow in a long time. The Bengals ran uh, in this game 75 net rushing yards. Uh, Joe Mixon had a nice second quarter, 13 uh, attempts, 56 yards. But, you know, that's not sustaining enough to, to keep drives alive. The Bengals just were absolute, like I said, miserable on third down. Uh, Chris Evans goes two for 12 rushing yards, and then Travion Williams goes two for seven. Really, like I said, a, a non-impact in the run game outside of that streak of runs there in the second quarter. Uh, Jamar Chase had nine targets, five catches, 39 yards, pretty bottled up. Denzel Ward seemed to be playing him most of the day. Joe Mixon, three for 17. Uh, Irv Smith, their tight end this year, three for 17 as well. 
Tyler Boyd, two for 10. T. Higgins, eight targets, no catches. So all things you really love to see. I mean, the weapons that Cincinnati brings to the table, I'm talking about this in the postgame show you hear in a minute. I was just amazed how non-competitive they were on offense. It's really uh, almost amazing when you rewatch it, how, how just little they seem to want to be there. And it's not like it was a cold game. It was just rainy. And it felt like they were just willing to punt the first week offensively. Kind of crazy. On the Brown side, 18 Nick Chubb carries 106 yards. He looked like himself, comfortable in all phases, inside zone, outside zone. Some duo, some counter, some pen pull, 5.9 yards per carry. Great stuff. Watson, five carries, 45 yards. His legs were effective. They used him in some read schemes. They gave him some design quarterback Q counter stuff, which, again, I just wrote up. It's on the website. Uh, they used his legs. Well, he didn't really improvise a ton. In this one, he got out early for a first down, but did not uh, improvise off schemes a, a ton to create yards. So a lot of design run stuff there. Jerome Ford, he took a lot of the ugly carries late in the game. So he ends up with 15 carries, 36 yards. Not impressive, but I do think he bounced back really well after that early fumble and, and had some nice runs. He had a 17-yard run mixed in there as well. Like I said, the Bengals are stacking the box. Brown's clearly running out the clock late. Not surprised his numbers didn't turn out all too pretty there. Elijah Moore had that nice 19-yard run. He had two uh, carries on the game, 19 yards. Nice job reversing field on that uh, attempt into the boundary and, and did a great job making something out of nothing. Brown's on the day run for 206 as opposed to giving up 75. You love to see that. Watson, 16 of 29, 154, touchdown interception. You know, the TV broadcast view did not let us know until very late that that ball was tipped. It was a very weird throw. We'll watch that on the All-22 to get a better feel for it. Um, started out rough. Some underthrows. I mean, it was, listen, it was the weather was worse than it appeared on television. Both quarterbacks talked about it in the postgame. The balls were soggy. It was wet, damp, heavy, all of that stuff, man. And I, I think it really impacted things. Watson missed some throws low. We'll see. If this is a trend, we saw it in Houston last year. Maybe he was a little amped up in this game. I would expect he's much cleaner in Monday Night Football next week with just the general like underthrow stuff that we saw. So uh, keep that in mind. Elijah Moore, seven targets, three catches, 43 yards. Amari Cooper, seven targets, three catches, 37. And Joku, two for 24. Nick Chubb, four for 21. His receiving prop hits again. It's a great prop right now. Donovan Peoples-Jones targeted twice. He had a 12-yard catch. Jordan Aikens targeted uh, just one time. He had a 12-yard catch as well. Then Harrison Bryant had a couple targets, ended up with five yards. And... That very important touchdown. Marquise Goodwin, two targets. He had one, a couple. Listen, he could add two touchdowns in this game. And I know Watson has admitted that uh, that much already. So good to see him active part of things and really making an impact. He's just got to bring it in. Um, you know, those balls have to find a way to be to be completed between the quarterback and wide receiver. And then David Bell had one target that was dropped. He needed to catch that football on his back shoulder on a seam throw. Uh, got his eyes downfield a little too quick. So disappointing for David to get that opportunity and miss on it. Leading tackler, Grant Delpa with eight tackles all over the football field. Playing some man coverage, playing some deep zone. Uh, third, I can't wait to watch the All-22 of Grant Delpa. That's the best he's ever appeared. You know, had some man snaps on T. Higgins. That's the player that you envisioned out of LSU all those years ago. Uh, a great game from him. Greg Newsom, five tackles, a great game from him. Denzel Ward, four tackles. Rodney McLeod, four tackles. Shelby Harris, three. Okoronkwo with three, including a sack. And then Jeremiah wusu Koromoa had three as well. Miles Garrett had a couple tackles and an all-important sack. And, the, listen, they used him all over the place, Jim Schwartz did. I love what they did, blitz scheme-wise. Really excited to peel that film apart, give you guys some answers. Closing out some of the other stats in this one, it looks like, uh, the Browns penalties, they had five to the Bengals, four. A couple holding calls in there. 
Obviously, Cleveland had two turnovers to Cincinnati's none, which is another interesting wrinkle. They had that you know deep fumble in the Bengals' territory by Ford. They obviously had the Watson fumble, which was again, or sorry, interception, which was again in Bengals' territory. Browns could have put even more points on the board in this game. Bengals had to punt 10 times. The Browns punted seven times. The Bengals missed a field goal. The Browns went three for three. So Dustin Hopkins deserving some praise for arriving in Cleveland and kicking really well in his first trip into the stadium. And then the Browns won the time of possession battle 35 minutes to 24 minutes. Listen, you should feel good. It's week one. I understand. Yada, yada. Games in week one don't define your season one way or the other. We saw a lot of weird outcomes in the week one slate. But but listen, it's better than losing. And you you want your Cleveland Browns to have as much confidence as possible. And we talk about breaking the mold, right? Forgetting the ghosts of the past. We're going to talk about it on this show. First home win is a season opener since 2004. Right, Last time the Browns went into Pittsburgh and won in the regular season, 2003. So you want to have a stellar first two weeks to the season. Get over these old ghosts. Make it happen. Exciting stuff. Really dominating win. Again, doesn't define anything, but boy does it feel good and boy does it tell your team that you can you can contend. You belong. Right, This is a team that won the division the last two straight years. They know they've struggled against you. They're out to win. And for them to show up and just get the energy taken out of them, not Cincinnati's defense player, but for their offense to have the will removed so early in that game, says a lot, folks. It says a lot. You should be excited about your Cleveland Browns. It's going to be a fun week of coverage, and it'll be a very, very fun Monday night game in Pittsburgh that will tell us the story of where this team is. So enjoy your victory Monday. Going to get over to, like I said, the OBR Sunday Rewind show. If you're not joining us for this, it's going to be in the evening. Out, now Listen, if we, if we have a primetime game, it's obviously going to be late at night, no matter what. But if we have a 1 o'clock kick throughout the year, you're going to see this at 7.30. gives you a chance from the 7.30 to 8.20, that run up to Sunday night football, a chance to recap the game, talk with us, and uh, get some points out there. And have a great, listen, have a great conversation in the chat room. I think it's just a good place for Browns fans to congregate uh, during that show. We had over 600 people watching it on the first 7.30 time slot, so we're really pumped about that. So if you don't have a YouTube account or Twitch account, find a way to join us. So pretty pumped about how that shook out for the first week. Like I said, feel good about your Cleveland Browns. It's a great win. You want to win all the games in your schedule. It's important to win the home division games, and they started out the right way. Reminder before I switch over to the uh, Sunday Rewind to rate and review the podcast, guys. Really, really appreciate that. helps people find this show when they search Cleveland Browns podcast. The more reviews we get... And hey, if they're good, that's great. But the more reviews we get, the better off we are for people finding the show. So huge kudos to you guys for stopping by. I think you're going to enjoy this next segment. But remember, it's a it's a Twitch show. It's it's meant for entertainment at times. So, you know, there's some goofiness built in there. It's not a regular regimented show uh, at times. So there's some laughter that happens in this one. We're all feeling good. Your Cleveland Browns are 1-0. Enjoy your victory Monday. Thanks for coming by, guys. Now over to the OBR Sunday Rewind. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, guys? It's Jake again, here to talk about what I do believe is the premium place to buy tickets for your NFL season this year. You go into Browns games, trying to find the best prices. Should you wait? Should you not? You know, week one is creeping up on us, but there are some really fun games on that home schedule, and you can get any of them using the GameTime app. That is GameTime.co if you're on the web browser, but the app is where it's at. Shouldn't be stressful to buy tickets, and man, game time's the fastest, easiest way to buy those tickets for any sporting event, local, whether it's, like I said, you're going to Browns games, or you want to go to concerts, comedy, theater, anything. They got killer last-minute deals, price guarantee, all the stuff you need so you can stop stressing over tickets, start getting hyped up for the fun you'll have. Right? Go to the game time app. I do it all the time, looking at trying to take my nephews to an Ohio State game this year. You know, the, the experience of looking at not just the, the best deals, the flash deals, right? Those last minute deals you can unlock, but also being able to look at the stadium map and pick out where you want to sit and get the picture from, you know, where the spot in the stadium is. And then again, the lowest price guarantee, cancellation event protection, job loss protection, all of that stuff just makes it even better. It's the place to go for last minute tickets, or to be honest, even when you're planning ahead, I think it is 100% the place to go. And Again, you, you have a fantastic mobile app. You can go online. You can look at those seats. They're sent directly to your phone. Those tickets are. You don't have to dig through your email. Two taps, you're set. Everything you need is at game time. So download the game time app, create an account, use the promo code OBR, very simply OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code OBR, $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. What is going on, everybody? It is Sunday night after the home opener. The NFL season is finally here. And, and let me tell you, Cleveland is Cleveland. The Elves are the Elves. And the Cleveland Browns are 1-0. The first home opener victory since 2004. Your Cleveland Browns kicked the ever-living stuff out of the Cincinnati Bengals today and route, and route to a huge, huge victory you are joining us live. You better be locked in. As Ty Sox says here in the comments, you better be locked in because we have got a great post-game show coming at you. I am Michael Keefe. Joining me around the horn, first, over on the, over on the couch, hanging on the couch, it's Andrew Spade. Joining us uh, in, the, in the man cave down there. It looks like the man cave. It's Jake Burns. And in one of the great studios that you're going to see on here, it's Brad Ward. Fellas. How we feeling? How we feeling here tonight on the OBR post game show? I'll take this one first, Mike. I feel great. 
Well, that's been that's been the show. Hope you guys enjoyed <laughs> it. Thanks for joining. I do though. I feel great because the Browns won. This final score was twenty-four to three, and they played the Bengals, who are a really good team. So, you know, from an analysis standpoint, that was a lot more points than the Bengals scored, and that's what you want to see. I think we started doing these later because we wanted to remove some of the emotion, but this might be one where we wanted to have some emotion (laughs) from it. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. What a fun, I mean, it was frustrating at times. I think we all wanted them to score a little more in the first half, but from everything you gather, it was pretty gnarly weather wise there at the stadium. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you can complain about the offense and all that if you want to, and that's fine. You can be concerned, but, I think a 24-3 win over a division rival and uh, a team that is uh, every bit as serious in the AFC Super Bowl conversation as any team out there to to put together a game where you dominate them. Uh, I think, you, I mean, you know, they ran for 200 yards too. So I think it's fair to say they dominated both sides of the ball. That's pretty damn cool, man. So, um, and again, on top of all of that, it's your first home opening, week one home opener win since 2004. So, just uh just really cool that's i mean that's, that's what it boils down to is really cool and good for them and, and good for their psyche i feel like good for the players man too so that that all is really fun yeah uh absolutely uh defense played inspired football uh it was so much fun to watch it was everything that we've been asking for from a defense from the browns aggressive they played with moxie swag they were in their face all game long the pressure didn't stop they played with an identity uh, it was truly entertaining and, and uh, something that you can really like rally behind. You know what I mean? And feel good about their defense, uh, the way they played. So I was uh, absolutely thrilled with that aspect of it. And I thought that uh, Kevin deserves uh, some credit for the way that he coached this game and uh, offensively where he wasn't getting the greatest performance from Deshaun, he found a way to still make it work better than the Bengals did in, in a kind of a muck fest. And uh, yeah, so congrats, huge win, massive win, dominating win. And uh, you can't, you got to love that week one, figure out how to get it done. It's always sloppy week one, a lot of places. So uh, this is an absolutely huge win. We don't see them again until I think the last week of the season. So that's right. Uh, that, this will linger for some time uh, in uh, AFC North narratives. So, well, Brad, like you said, or Jake, Brad, I don't remember who said it, but uh, it was a sloppy day up here in Cleveland. It was uh, weird pockets of rain that were supposed to go away by noon and they never went away. Uh, it was like this weird, this weird misty rain that literally just stayed all day long and, and it affected them. And so listen, we got, We've got a, a lot of analysis we're going to get to. We're going we're gonna to try to hit on as many players as we can hit on. We're going to hit on, on all sides of the ball, including special teams, because I think there's some things there that we definitely have to talk about. But let's talk a little bit about that sloppiness and how it seemed to affect the game, especially early on. And let's talk about it from a quarterback position, because I feel like this is a game where if it would have been sloppy, Deshaun Watson looked the way he did, especially early in the game, but Joe Burrow went out and threw for 200 yards in the first half. It'd be a totally different situation. The slop would be, the slop would be, oh, that's an excuse. You can't make that excuse. But it was clearly affecting both guys. Joe Burrow clearly off for the Bengals. Deshaun Watson took a while for him to figure it out. Uh I don't know. Like, what are you looking for, boys? When you see a game like that, what are you looking for to where you're not 
so disappointed with how the team is playing and you're going, all right, well, listen, I, I like what I'm seeing here. I like what I'm seeing there. Is it the play calling? Is it results? Because it, it's hard to get results when clearly they can't throw the ball the way they want to. Well, I mean, listen, they lost faith in Burr. He's wearing a glove like yep. early in the game. They lost faith in him. There was a couple balls that just kind of like, I don't know, slipped out of his hand, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that what amazed me is that there was absolutely nothing over the middle of the field for Cincinnati. And mm-hmm. I mean nothing. What it tells me is that the design, like there's, this is the second time they've come to Cleveland and it's been this way where they're not hitting any digs. They're not hitting any, uh, you know, post anything, anything inside the hashes. I want to look at the game tape. I don't even remember Joe throwing one. I think there was one third down that they ended up getting a late, delay or illegal formation they tried to throw a slant on because i remember like saying something in slack andrew it was we still like, incomplete well yeah we were like man if that if that ends up costing them another third down chance yeah, but like that's right there was nothing over the middle of the field which tells me that the 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 ability of the pass rush to be ever present in joe's mind was a problem you know so and this again when jamar was out when they came to cleveland in october last year was a huge thing where i thought burrow was just consistently checking it down so you have martin emerson you have denzel taking away sideline chuck it up duck hodges opportunities that's all they were trying to do at times was just put those they throw it down the sideline i mean yeah. i went you with t higgins mm-hmm. and those guys i don't blame them but if you're in if your offense is not even targeting the middle of the field because you're putting yourself in these third downs and you can't get long enough in the backfield to let those things develop, you're pinning a team to either running the football or throwing the football wide. And that makes defense easy. It makes defense really easy. So, I mean, as big a hats off as we could possibly have, the Browns were doing so many different things, which we'll break down for you this week. They were running man coverage with a, with a sink, you know, a sink defender in the middle, kind of playing the middle hook who was spying Joe at the same time with a deep safety kind of taking away Rob in the middle of the field. They played some cover zero, which they went all out after him. They played some press up, walk up mug stuff at the line of scrimmage and bailed into, into zone coverages. They had the Bengals offense searching for answers and there were none to be found today because they mm-hmm. had a quarterback who is clearly, this is a different conversation. I am just, the way Joe looked mentally and physically, I cannot believe he was out there. Yep. So what they put him out there to do versus like the game plan that they had was atrocious and Schwartz and company just ate that whole thing alive. So, um, you know, when you're off, when your defense is able to keep a team from playing 40 of the 53 and a half yards of a sideline to sideline, you can see how a team is limited to under a hundred rushing and passing. So massive kudos to the defense today who played, yeah. Lights out football, man. I mean, that's the, the single biggest take. And I didn't even think the pass rush was overwhelming, but they were able to bully the guys up front. And really, like, the way Schwartz had them walked into certain looks kind of gave me this vibe that since he had no feel for the Browns' pass rush, like, blitz plans, the blitz package they put together. And that that was evident by a quarterback who was, I think, swimming upstream all day. I think you guys would agree with me on that. It just was really ugly for them at yeah. times. Jake, you're giving kudos away. And speaking of kudos, I do want to uh, call out. I put it on the screen there. Philly, Matt J. Darcy. You guys are feeling generous after a Browns win, giving away the gifted subs. Uh, We love you guys, man. The the comments already flowing. We got like a thousand comments already. Keep the chat going here on Twitch, on YouTube. Tell your friends to get in here and celebrate with us. We're having a good time here on the OBR streaming network. Guys, uh, and, and 
Andrew, I'll send this over to you next because to kind of piggyback off of what Jake was just talking about, and, and, and Jake, you took us to the defense first, and that's fine because I think that was, that was such a, a – there were two plays to me early in the game that set the tone defensively. Mm-hmm. The first one, Zadari Smith hit Joe Burrow play number one, got in there and whacked him as he tried to throw the ball. The ball fluttered out, went incomplete. Yep. And then, and then MJ Emerson made a play that you really don't see a whole heck of a lot. It didn't wind up being anything. He intercepted a ball out of bounds on a back shoulder throw. And it almost made it look like, like to Joe Burrow, like, Hey, we know what you're doing. Yeah. Well, we it know wasn't what you're trying to do here. Mike, the thing that I just tweeted about this a minute ago, typically you'll see guys play the back inside hip when they're trail technique and cover two, because you have right. a who's responsible for deep half. So I know I have somebody over the top. I was sitting there watching it. Rodney McLeod was running to cover three, the middle of the field coverage he has, which he's not going to impact the ball down the left sideline from the far right side. So he's just sitting underneath. Like he just knew, I don't know, man, maybe they have an indicator that they picked up on here, but Emerson flat out knew like, Hey man, I'm going to try to stay a little bit in behind phase here because I don't think they want to even chuck this thing down. I think they just want to try to back shoulder and over aggressive coverage. I was kind of blown away by that sitting here watching because Mm -hmm. you watch it in TV. You're thinking like, okay, that's cover two. He's going to play that technique. It's going to work out. It's easy to do. You can sit underneath all that stuff. As long as there's not a right now flat route that you have to worry about. No, man, he like sat in his back hip pocket and made mm-hmm. that play look so easy when that is not supposed to be easy. So, um, yeah, Martin Emerson, there might be something pretty real here. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I and I think it really speaks to, Mike, I think where you were headed with this is the, the, the defense is just night and day different from what it felt like last year. It's an attitude thing. It's a confidence thing. And, you know, to Jake's point just now, it's a preparation thing that the team looks so much more comfortable with what they expect from the other team and confident that they'll be in the right position to affect the play to, you know, get there in time for, for a, a pressure to alter the way that Joe Burrow throws the ball to get their hand on a ball in the secondary. I mean, I think we saw the sec, everybody in the secondary playing with an, an, an immense amount of confidence. And that is night and day from last year, the, the, main thing that we remember from the 22 defense is guys looking at each other with their hands in the air going what what where were why and this is the exact opposite of that where to jake's point emerson is is expecting the back shoulder throw and and kind of like betting on it and betting right so i i just think i think that we spent a lot of time last year saying is it the players or the coach on defense and and obviously they have upgraded the, the talent right there is more talent on the defense the what they did to change the defensive line and add depth there, I think really showed up at times today where they were getting pressure and Miles Garrett wasn't on the field. That's not something that has happened in years past. But I think I, I, I don't think you can over overemphasize how much of a difference it is Joe Woods to Jim Schwartz. Right now it's a, it's just like I said, it's night and day. It really is night and day. And the personnel right. do. You know, sure. like no, absolutely. That, it's that, both. That, it's both. It is a hundred percent both. But boy, they played fast. They played fast. Brad, a comment just came up, and I was just going to ask about this because this is something that very clearly stood out to me as watching the game. I want to know if it stood out to you guys as well, Brad Ward. The comment comes in from uh, Dylan Justison. said he loves how much communication he saw on the field, on the defense, every play, almost up until the snap. There were a few times where I saw them out there turning around, talking. There was motion by the Bengals. They were trying to – like it, it felt like over the last couple of years, 
we weren't really seeing a lot of communication. Like you could literally see it happening out there. You could see the guys telling each other where they're going to be, where they're supposed to be. That seems like even just the basic level that that's basic football, right? But it seems like it's been missing the last couple of years. That very, I mean, I feel like uh, part of this kind of defensive switch is, is, is personality and, and, and emotion, but it's also, we need to communicate to know where we're going to be. And you could literally see that making an impact out on the field today. Yeah, it was clear. And and I think a lot of that goes to what Jake was saying and, and Andrew was saying about preparation. You know, it felt like they, when they did something, they knew reactively what, how they were going to cover it. Right. And to Jake's point about Emerson, it almost looked a couple of times like he was running the route for the guys kind of sat down right in his lap. Right. Um, and then, you know, uh, the one play I can even think of them even going over the middle to Jake's point was uh, Greg Newsom made a good play on a, a on a slant that was actually thrown behind the receiver, but he still got his hand on it. Uh, Burrow just like I commented a couple of days ago on my podcast that I didn't think that if I was in Cincinnati, I wouldn't have played Burrow at this point. Like like what you're making this game mean more to you than it really should if you're the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, you know, if if it was us, would we really want him to play? In this situation, I don't know. I don't think he looked like he was ready to play. Uh, but kudos to the Browns defense anyways for taking advantage of that. Um, to flip, uh, th- what your question was to start this whole thing was about the quarterback play in the in the rain and stuff. A difficult thing for me to decipher today, and it'll be interesting to see what Jake comes away with on the tape and on you know what we see on a rewatch and stuff like that is, is Watson's performance, right? Like, it's really hard to decipher what's what there. Um, what's weather and what was just bad throws, right? And so, and certainly with what Burrow did, you have to give some uh, rel- some credit to the weather, right? Um, but some of that stuff too just looked like misses as well. So I, I don't know what's what there and, and what to take away from that. It's hard to decipher with the way the game was. And I, I'll yeah. leave it at that um, because – they coached around it. He ran the ball well. He made some good decisions. He he did make some good throws. Um, but the one thing that, that leaves me, and I don't mean to be a downer, is I don't think we really answered anything about Deshaun Watson <laughs> exactly. from this game. Like, we waited exactly. so long to get this answer, and because yeah. of the rain, I yeah, don't really yeah. have any answers to that question. And I think, Brad, that I cursed this by tweeting before the game that we've been waiting for 18 months to have an answer on Deshaun yeah. Watson. <laughs> and then, like, the only thing that could happen, other than an injury, knock on wood, that would continue to keep us in the dark is that it was – it wasn't just that it was raining either. I think it's like – yeah. I, I mean, this this is this is Midwestern stuff, right? This is true Big Ten country stuff. But, like, it's, I, it's the difference between, like, a hard rain when your fingers start to actually pucker a little bit and you get grip back. But this is like that, that heavy mist – where things stay greasy and slippery. You don't ever time. get a grip. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right, Brad. We're still in the dark somehow yeah. after watching the Browns beat the Bengals by 21. We're still not sold on the quarterback. And I think the one thing I will say is that they they this is the type of game that last year in Watson's last six games they would have lost because the offense – even when he wasn't throwing the ball well, in addition to him not throwing the ball well, it was disjointed. And this year, Stefanski was able to find the answers within the system that Watson was able to get to, whether it's, you know, as you said, running the ball, 
whether it's, uh, you know, some of the rollout stuff, you know, sideline throws that he felt more confident and decisive on. And, and so they got to some stuff that worked. There were entire games during Watson's six uh, games last year where they couldn't find stuff that worked for the entire four quarters. And so I think even in that regard, knowing that they can win sloppy with Watson as the quarterback, if the defense is going to keep doing this, and I, I don't, it's not going to be at this level every week. That would be, you know, that would make the 85 Bears blush. But if the defense is going to be a, a really solid unit that affects the other team on a down-to-down basis, then there is there's a ton of latitude here for the team on offense to find themselves over the course of a few games without falling behind in the AFC. Deshaun, are, Deshaun after the game, if you listen to his post-game comments, he did talk about the 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 weather. He said it was kind of like what you were saying there, Andrew, it wasn't raining hard enough that they were overly concerned about like taking care of the ball and doing that stuff that you do in like a harder rain. But he said the, the ball was heavier. It, it just yep. was, it was just, it was like a damp, it, the, the, the ball was, was soaked through essentially. It made a little bit that even if you got it away and it felt good, it was just going low. What besides the weather factors though, boys, do you think any of this was just him coming out, just being as jacked up as possible week one. And yeah, I know he's I know he's a guy that's been around a little while. I know he's a veteran player. He's been a successful player. Uh, but after everything is all is said and done, this is his first week one in a few years. Uh, it looked like he was trying to throw every ball through a brick wall, especially early in the game. It, there was such a noticeable difference. Like that throw he made to DPJ right over the defender, probably his best throw of the entire game was such a noticeable difference in the way he threw the ball than what he was doing earlier in the game. It looked like he was trying to throw everything 100 miles an hour. And and and, and then finally he kind of settled down, and he looked much better as the game went on. Yeah, I, I thought he looked rushed uh, for a lot of early part of the game. At one point, he on a rollout, he had Cooper sitting down on the one he missed short on him where Cooper kind of stood there like, what the hell was that? Because uh, it landed at his feet. Um he basically spun himself into the ground. Like there was nobody near him and either whether it was the turf or whatever, but he, he fell over as he was throwing it and there was nobody near him. So like, I think it was just a rushed, I'm sure he was amped through the roof. Right. And that's a big thing. It's like, it takes some time. Maybe sometimes it takes in football guys say, and Jake can speak to this more than uh, any of us can because he played actually, but uh, you know, sometimes getting hit, will knock that out of you a little bit. And I thought that after he got banged around a little bit, he played yep. some play better. He seemed yep. to calm down a little bit. Yeah, I I'll uh, I'll touch on that too. Um I, I mean I was encouraged by the decision making somewhat. Some of those throws that he missed, I think there was and I got I gotta watch it, man. I re- I really gotta peel it apart. But I thought he was looking in 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 the directional stuff finding the people open was encouraging to me right the mental side of it but anytime you see a guy who's who's dirting the football it's not getting there there's you know there's obviously the rain element he talked about the football was wet it was heavy it soaks into the footballs that you only have so many footballs you can run in and out and if it's raining all day and like andrew uh talked about with that there was just like that mist like it was just it was a strange weather day so i think there's an element of it that goes to that the other one is, and I think that, you know, we talked about it earlier as a staff when we were watching the game, and then I know Brad just hit it too, but whenever you're, 
and this is these throws reminded me of Houston when he went to Houston to open up his return, just being, you know, gassed up, being very excited. And what happens is your arm is beating the rest of your, you know, uh, uncoiling process as a quarterback. And if your arm's already through and you haven't, you know, thrown the front hip open like you need to and driven the back hip through and all of those little pieces, your the ball is going to be low. It's just going to be low. If your arm is late through, it's going to be high, right? Just think trajectory. So he has to find a way to calm his ass down. Like he's got to figure out a way <laughs> yeah. to settle in because he's going to be in some really big games. And the thing is, he has been in these really big moments before. He's been in the biggest college football stage invented. He's been in huge NFL games in the playoffs. <laughs> I think like we talked about, first game back last year, there's a new aura about Deshaun Watson, the person. There's always a lot sitting on him mentally. He has to, through therapy, work through that and just get back to being comfortable. Like, he's got to find a way that in these big moments, he's not rushing his mental, and he's not worried about what other people are thinking, all of that stuff. Like, he's got to get there. I think this, those sorts of results and those throws tells me it's a guy who's sped up. Everything is really, really hyped up. And he's not quite there. So I thought the ball, for the most part, there was one ball to Elijah Moore where he got hit really hard. That that the hit you guys are talking about, where Moore's just sitting there on the sideline, and he just needs to deliver it. But like, you know, the the all out blitz throw to Marquise Goodwin, I was a little underthrown going into the wind, but was the right throw. I think he was making a really, uh, I think he was doing a pretty good job of making the right throws. And I even need to see the replay of the interception because. I actually think that what he was doing, I see the point of what he was trying to do. The ball got tipped. I think it was BJ Hillman, a nice play on it. Maybe he should have run. We'll break that all down tomorrow night. I'm just, what I'm getting at is I don't know that there were too many really bad decisions. I think that, I think that the throw stuff will work itself out, but this is also a reminder for him of like, this is Cleveland, man. You wanted to come here. You chose the money. There's not a dome. This is the stuff you have to get used to. You're going to have mm. to get used to heavy footballs mm-hmm. in the wintertime and, and these rain games and this nasty weather. Like he's got to be able to, so getting exposure to all of these games, I think is good for him. He got the really cold atmosphere last year. You're going to have these rain, weird rain games where you're looking around Cleveland and you're like, why is it raining? There's nothing on the radar, but there's this mystery rain falling <laughs> all game. So he just has to keep getting used to it. I didn't think he was very good today. I think he was probably like a C minus, right? Yeah. C minus is probably what he was but i think you do have to understand and i there's nothing i hated more than rain as a quarterback i just i hated it man it's the worst trying to guide the football the way you want to guide it it doesn't ever feel normal you're always hounding the ball boys to keep the footballs dry like it's just not fun it's really not fun because there's already an immense amount of pressure on you to do all the right things and deliver the football and then if you're also in the back of your mind dealing with, can I grip this thing? Can I hold it the way I need to hold it? Is it going to slip out of my hands? It's not fun. Those games aren't fun, but he's got a, the part of coming to Cleveland. And if you want to be this quarterback in this city, in this environment, you have to be able to handle it. So he did enough today. I thought enough today to win um, in really gnarly weather. He'll have like four or five of those a year. It's not like you're going to have like 15 of 17 are going to be that way, but he has to win and understand and make the plays in those games to win those games. Right. So like he's got to figure it out. He's got to figure it out. Wasn't great, but again, um, you know, the collective team was pretty good in this one. I mean, they ran for 206 yards and he commit. he can, he was 45 yards of those were his. So he was good yeah. on the ground too. So credit there. Go ahead, Brad. I, I, 
I was just real quickly, and then I'll get off this. But uh, Ty Sox said, you know, I think he was a B plus with his legs and chat. I agree. Like he, he ran the ball really well, and I, I thought he made a good decisions running the football, uh, especially that touchdown call. Of what a call! That was him. What a call! Yeah, what a great play there. Uh, but also, you know, um, I would say that at the end of the game, as the narrative became clear that the Browns were going to kick the crap out of the Bengals, and they and he got the touchdown pass to Bryant and he ran for a couple first downs, you could see him kind of letting everything go uh, emotionally on the field, just absolutely celebrating his ass off and running around and screaming and jumping on everybody. I hope that's like kind of like the release needed maybe uh, on the football field that he yeah. hasn't been able to find yet. Um, well, so go ahead. real quick, I want to hit this comment, uh, and I'm going to block your face. Sorry, Brett. Uh, but uh, All-Star 9 just got in, was at the stadium today, and and this is what we're talking about. Stadium was soaked. It was weird. It wasn't a downpour. It was just wet. It was just a wet day at the stadium. So yeah. that's a report directly from somebody that was at the stadium today just yeah. sitting there I, getting getting misted on. I, and I want to piggyback on that because, you know, Jake makes a great point about, the, you know, this is part of what being a Cleveland quarterback is. But I also, like, it. I, I want to highlight that the weather has been – like it has been a bad run of luck for Watson and, and really all going back to, to some of those games that they played in 2020 in October when there, it was like a, oh, a windy hurricane season? for, for three weeks in a row. Um, oh. I, I know that this is part of it because you're on a lake and the weather is more, you know, changeable near a big body of water. We, we can go into the meteorology of this. I'll, maybe I'll do a separate show for that, but no, no. Um, you take about the next 20 minutes if you could. Okay. And just this is actually a green screen. Explain I weather pattern. I can put it all back up here. Uh, <laughs> no, I, but I just, I, I do think that there is that like more than we expect. There's a luck factor. You think about what's happened with the bills the last few years and how they've had to leave Buffalo a few yeah. times because of snowstorms, but there have been other years where you can, you can somehow make it through the entire year without having a, a single bad weather game. So I, I know until they build, the dome, the retractable roof, whatever, which, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's coming and it can't come too soon in my opinion. Um, until that there's going to be the chance, right. But it has been, I think it's worth saying it has been kind of a run of bad luck where, I mean, this is like, this should be, and was forecasted to be right. One nice of the day. better weather, weather games yeah. of the entire season. So it, there's, there's like a weird, weird part to it where this is where if you wanted to believe in karma, you could start to make the argument that that the weather gods themselves are like conspiring to hold stuff down. But I, I, I don't, we, you know, we, we don't have to. We're not. Everybody's yeah, thoughts on this. Everybody's thoughts on the weather gods. That's that's I know. <laughs> we won I, today. What are we talking I'm, about? I, no, I'm well aware that this is beyond my remit. I'm just saying that <laughs> it 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 there is a luck component to it, right? Because there's seven days in the week. So you've got six chances for the, the the weird lake effect rain fog mist that happened today to happen on a day when the Browns aren't playing, but it didn't. It happened from one to four, localized specifically to the stadium by the lakefront. Because you heard multiple people saying every suburban neighborhood in Cleveland was sunny. Okay, here's what I want to do. <laughs> I, I, that was that no, was leave wild. It. Just leave that it. was Move a on. wild Move tangent on. you just went on, on Andrew. Uh, Listen, Jake, you talked about a C- minus for Deshaun Watson. One thing that I think is a positive is a guy that we all like, and I'm sorry, people were getting mad about this on Twitter before. It's wild. It's hard. It's impossible to not like Joe Burrow. It's impossible to not like him. But if Deshaun Watson was a C- minus today, Joe Burrow was, a, was an F. 
Joe Burrow was an F today. If Deshaun was a C minus, Joe Burrow was an F. And, and that is promising. That is promising. He didn't play his best game, but the other guy out there is supposed to be an MVP candidate. And Deshaun Watson was better than him, even in a game where he wasn't his best. So you'll take that. Uh, I do want to move on away from the quarterback a little bit, although we're going to keep him incorporated in this. I do want to talk about probably the, the worst thing that happened today. The biggest hard luck thing. We're talking about bad luck when it comes to weather. The biggest hard luck thing that happened for the Cleveland Browns today. Uh, Jack Conklin took a, I mean, that was the unluckiest. I think there's sometimes where a guy that gets hurt all the time. You're like, oh gosh. And and when I saw, uh, when I saw Jack Conklin down, I was like, oh my gosh, he's hurt again. But the fact of the matter is a guy just, a, a, a huge lineman just dove straight into his knees. Uh, not on purpose. Uh, and just such a tough luck, such a tough luck situation. Nobody is going to leave that unscathed. Nobody's going to leave that without torn ligaments in their knee. Uh, they're saying it's, it looks like a horrible injury to his knee. Uh, <laughs> the word they used was horrible. <laughs> uh, no, it, what was it? It was devastating. They said devastating, a devastating knee injury. Um, so a rough go there for, for Conklin, but boys talk about, I do want to talk about the offensive line a little bit. That's a really good defensive front by the Cincinnati Bengals. That's a front that can get after you both in the, they're very hard to run against. Uh, what was their, their, there's a stat for that, uh, for their run defense. They haven't given up a lot of a hundred yard rushers. The Browns ran for over 200 yards, Nick Chubb over a hundred. Uh, uh, but talk about the, the offensive line. And specifically, I want to hear about some of the guys that dealt with issues last year. Wyatt Teller dealt with injuries last year. How'd you think he looked? And here, here comes the big Thanos, man. Here comes this guy that we were debating during draft night. And we were hearing different reports about during draft night. He gets thrown out there week one. How do you guys think, uh, how do you think he did? Well, we didn't hear his name, right? So, I mean, <laughs> it's hard to sit here and say, I, I, I would imagine any sane human, there's maybe like a small percentage out there who are watching him on every snap because you just watch the football on the TV view. We will have some detailed answers on that this week, I promise. What it seemed like, Mike, is that it was pretty seamless and it, that, that it wasn't some gigantic letdown. Now, I think the Bengals did a pretty good job of pressuring Deshaun in drop back situations. I actually thought Deshaun looked pretty uncomfortable on those where he had to really drop back early in the game. I thought they settled in a little later in the game. That, that play with Conklin was really unfortunate because it was Trey yeah. Hendrickson who yep. ran the arc and Jed ended up pushing him by. And when he pushed him, Hendrickson's foot inside foot slipped and is, is actually is uh, right up under his rib cage went right into Conklin's knee. So um, I know Hendrickson was on the field saying something to him. You could see that that was just really, yeah. was really unfortunate, but it seems like Dewan played fine. Um, we'll, we'll, like we said, we'll study that. Uh, I don't think Sam Hubbard presents quite the same challenge on that side. And I, I didn't really recognize Miles Murphy, their first round pick on the field, doing anything of significant significance. No. Um, you know, I thought Wyatt had some unbelievable pulling moments and downfield blocking moments. There's one run from Nick Chubb in the first half that I, I think somebody pointed out on social uh, of Wyatt Teller finishing a block like 20 yards downfield with a pancake. Yeah. So I feel like Wyatt was himself, you know, when you're sort of highlighting some blocking efforts, he had a great kick out on that touchdown. I'm writing that up right now. So hopefully that'll be up here in the next half hour or so, but he had a great kick out on that Watson touchdown run on the goal line. Jed did a nice job walling it down. 
I think it was really neat when you when you hear the coaches talk. They're really fired up in an abnormal way, and uh, anytime that happens, that catches my attention. You know, because Kevin's pretty mild mannered, so when they get really excited about a touchdown, he mentioned in the post game that that was an Alex Van Pelt edition, a Saturday mm-hmm. edition. That if they got a certain look, they really wanted to to go to this concept. They went quads and checked into it and there was a can call involved and I wrote up a little bit of it on Twitter, but I wanted to go into detail of why that worked because of the mug front that Cincinnati was presenting. So listen, I think to me, anytime you run for two Oh six and I didn't feel like Nick made any hero plays. I mean, he was good and he's Nick and he's elusive and he makes the right cutbacks on outside zone concepts, you know, so that's all there. But I thought collectively up front, it looked fine. And I thought they won that battle of the trenches. And that's like, my thing about Cincinnati, which not to get us on a different tangent, uh, but that's probably what this show is built on. If we're not talking, if this about is weather, about weather. If this about? is about weather again, I swear, <laughs> I've got another I map I'd like to share with you. I would say that the thing that was surprising to me above anything else was Cincinnati was just not competitive on offense. Their defense, yep. I thought, showed up and played really hard, get mm-hmm. good enough to win. Agreed. Yep. I thought they almost you know for lack of a better term punted this game on offense like it felt like the moment you referenced it at the beginning mike the moment when zadarius peeled off the edge first play got up under joe's throwing arm and then then they got after him again miles like i posted it on twitter a little bit ago got up underneath orlando brown and chucked orlando brown like a rag doll into joe's lap on that third nine they converted it but it just felt like the browns were bringing physicality right from the start. The Bengals had a couple shotgun runs that they hit there um, in the second quarter, but they really wanted nothing from a competitive staff. I thought their coaching staff was not competitive. They didn't do anything unique. I thought their quarterback didn't want to be there after the very beginning of the game. And when their wide receivers started to feel like, hey, we can't win these vertical balls down the sideline, it was a punting situation for their offense. Like, And the thing that's interesting about Cincinnati – is they are so cavalier about it. They are just very, ah, you know, we yep. start slow, we figure it out, blah. And I Wild. said this to, to you guys in the chat, like eventually you got to be careful with that stuff because yep. punting on games in the way that they did and they were not competitive from early in this game forward, like you can tell yourself, oh, in years past we've been fine and we figured it out. But one of these times you're going to start three and four, three and five, and all of a sudden you're nine and eight and you can't figure out why that happened. So I just was was really blown away by from in my opinion, a coach, they didn't do anything unique from a play calling perspective. They were the same sort of shotgun structure they were the year before. And to just sort of sit there and think we don't need to evolve, do anything different, change who we are, and we're going to be fine. The Browns yeah. knew what they were doing. Like we talked about this, Andrew, earlier in the week. Mm-hmm. What we wanted to do was have a discussion later in the week about Jim Schwartz uh, out coaching them. And yeah. that's not that's not even how I want to say it like just putting together a masterclass of like his guys knowing where to be, when to be and how to be there. And it felt like they were, they they were sitting on almost everything Cincinnati was trying to do. And I felt like, you know, again, we'll rewatch it and see if there was somebody that broke free somewhere. They missed a couple throat. I'm just telling you, I haven't felt like there's been that sort of living on top of an offense since that bears game in 2001, where they had Justin Fields looking like he was, he was back in the high school fields of Georgia trying to figure out where to go as a freshman or something. Like I just, I was amazed by how lackadaisical that the Cincinnati's offense was in that game, that, that a game that matters because every division game matters. Yeah. And 
really impressed with how well the Browns are sitting on top of everything they were trying to do. So I know that we were talking about offensive line, but I just kind of like started to think about this. And I really wanted to get it out that, that, uh, that, that Cincinnati's approach to that was, was interesting. Cause even the Browns, like the Browns were taking shots. They did that little fun reverse though to Martin, the Goodwin that ended up falling short and it should have been a touchdown. You know, they did some really nice play action wrinkles. I know we talked a lot about how the Browns were going to change their offense. That was the huge talking point. I actually, guys, didn't feel like they did much different. I think they dialed in. This is going to be an awful weather game. And they thought to themselves, we're going to do what we've customarily done here. A lot of under center wide stuff, play action, our shotgun stuff is going to look. I didn't feel like they really opened it up that much. Like I thought they did some little wrinkles but I thought they were who they've largely been. And when the weather turns a little nicer, I think they're going to try to do some different things, but you know, there were some little quirks built into it. They did some funky stuff with Elijah Moore here and there, but I felt like they were who they have been with Kevin with some other stuff sort of added into it. And they altered it. If you heard Kevin in his post game, he had sort of said, once we got a feel for this is what the weather is going to be, we decided to go a different direction than what we were thinking originally. So that also speaks to, the ability of this offense to look at the scenario that's in the situation and yep. being able to do multiple things based mm-hmm. on what the weather or situation is in any football game. So yeah, um, uh, yeah a couple yeah. talking points there. Sorry about that. Well, no, I just, Jake said something about the weather. So obviously I'm going to go on that for another five minutes. <laughs> Anyways, um, I'm going to step in and interrupt. <laughs> no, no, no. I, think, I think the point here for me is that the defense has now a level of physicality that matches what the offense is capable of doing so, so the offensive line is able to lean on teams. We've seen this the entirety of the Callahan Stefanski era. You know, when you talk about the offensive line, you got to talk about it that way, right? They lean on teams. Nick Chubb obviously wears them down. You've got fresh backs coming in, and and the defense has always, you know, the Joe Woods defense played too passively and and too much of a read and react style to match the physicality of the offense. I think when you combine what the Browns are able to do on offense, and Jake, I think it's a great point that you make that they're still able to win multiple ways uh, by by not not you know they have not sold sold out completely and become like some shotgun empty passing team, right? They can still run the rock, they can still dominate teams in the trenches, and then you hand it over to a defense that is more physical and getting pressure, and even if they're not sacking the quarterback, is every time. Uh, somebody got in the backfield, they were leaving a mark on Joe Burrow, whether they were pushing him or whether they were taking him to the ground. He was, he was contacted constantly by this defense and that level of physicality, it extends to the the secondary, the hits that they were putting on players, the way that they, they rallied to the tackle, that physicality matches the physicality that the Browns played with on offense. And I think to your point, Jake, this is an example of the Browns were just in every phase, the more physical team. And they were up for, you know, this unexpected kind of slog type game turning into a fist fight. And and they were prepared for it and they started throwing haymakers and, and they won because of that. Because I think there was a point, as, as you kind of alluded to, there's a point early where the Bengals were like, oh, it's going to be this type of game. No, no, thanks. Well, it'll probably be nicer next week in, in Cincinnati. We'll go we'll go throw for 350 on the Ravens. So we'll, we'll do that. And this is fine. We'll just uh, we'll get out of here and keep everybody healthy. And and you don't see that happen too often in the NFL. Typically, when when teams the gloves come off, teams you know are there to scrap. And the Bengals were not up for a scrap today. Hey, Brad Ward, I want to send something to you. And listen, I know Deshaun Watson only completed sixteen passes today, right? 
Like if you if you uh, were a betting person and you bet that the only receiving touchdown would be caught by Harrison Bryant and Nick Chubb would lead the team with four receptions, you probably would have made a bunch of money today. But we spent, Brad, we spent this entire offseason, this entire offseason, talking about what they have done in revamping the wide receiver room and how excited we are with guys like Goodwin and, and Elijah Moore and what they, we never even saw. I don't think we even saw Cedric Tillman at all today. Uh, if we did, I missed it. Uh, but these guys that we brought in to kind of revamp that room that was kind of disappointing uh, last year. So Brad, what do we, what did we learn today? What did we learn from the wide receiving room today? Again, I know it's not like Deshaun completed 40 passes. So it's not like you saw a bunch of receptions out there, but when, as you were watching uh, uh, all of the wide receivers out there. What what what's your takeaway from the wide receivers? I don't think we learned a whole lot. Uh, they didn't do a whole lot. They you know of course DPJ is a very good run blocker. Uh, I've thought they got separation and got open at times. Uh, there was stuff that was schemed up that was there, but just didn't get completed. Um, but to Andrew's point, I think that you know. The all or in Jake's point too, the all around physicality of the offense and the defense is just what won the game, right? Like, so I don't really think that wide receivers really played a ton into this game. I mean, certainly Goodwin had a touchdown, right? And, uh, the, you know, if the ball's not short and there were some other plays there to be had that just didn't get completed due to the weather or whatever, right? Um, but I don't really think there's a whole lot to take away from the wide receiving core, right? There's not a lot to put on display today. Um, Elijah Moore made a couple nice catches and, and they, they got separation. They got open at times and that's kind of what you want, wanted. There was guys there to throw to that looked open that just didn't get completed. Uh, so I don't really have any complaints about them. Um, and it wasn't one of those kind of days. I would say, one thing that we haven't – can I mention something we haven't talked about? Of course. Uh, early in the game, uh, I felt like the offense got off to a poor start because of the offensive line, or maybe it was just because of – they were unable to protect early in the game. Like, the pressure seemed uh, – What in the world? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. It's just a new sound effect we're flirting with with yeah. NASCAR speed okay. package. That I couldn't get, to the, <laughs> yeah. couldn't get to the mute button in Wait. time. I apologize, Brad. Keep going, man. When oh, Brad, when Brad's really on a roll, we're gonna play that soundbite from here on out. I apologize. What, what was that? It it's, like I live, I live on a road that sometimes people like to use as a drag strip. Oh, Me too. sweet! Welcome All to right. North Carolina, everybody. Yeehaw! Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So they struggle with protection early, and a lot of it was Jed. So I, I, I still. I mean, I don't. I don't know what the answer is. They chipped. They helped him when they could. I know, Jake, you said you didn't have a lot of problems. You thought they did a pretty good job up front, and I thought they did in the run game. But but Jedrick is still having problems in pass protection consistently. No? Yeah, he was he was oversetting today. He was oversetting, worried about be, getting beat on the high side, and what guys were, you know, what Hendrickson was doing was feeling out that he was putting himself too far upfield, and then he would turn that inside shoulder and then that yeah. creates a really simple, as Deshaun goes to climb the pocket, that's a simple get-back-inside scenario. He has to yeah. do a better job. If you're a left tackle, he's got to keep that right shoulder in a place where he can react to people trying to get back inside. Because if a guy beats you inside, 
early, the quarterback has a chance to escape. If you're oversetting and putting yourself really wide and turning yourself, then the quarterback doesn't feel like he has the ability to escape the pocket outside because you're really way up on the high side. And then the quarterback feels like the guy's trying to rush on the high side. So what he's naturally going to do is I'm going to work forward in the pocket. And then that creates an easy lane for that edge to then get off you and beat you know, crash down inside and take away why it happened three or four times. What you want to do is encourage a guy to run the arc and then be quick enough to, at the last moment, turn and ride him past the quarterback. So the quarterback can quite frankly, very easily step up and slide out of the pocket to the left. So yeah, that has to be cleaned up. It's still, I, I don't know why, man, he was really nervous about getting beat to the high side and it was creating some inside vulnerability. So I, I'm very careful with this stuff, and I know you're not jumping to conclusions, Brad. I think no. it was pretty obvious at times, but I really like to sit down and watch the All-22 with everybody and peel that stuff back. Unfortunately, Kyle Murphy can't join us this year because he's 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 a head coach of a high school program. He's, uh, he's very busy, but we'll still try to do our best for my uh, idiotic brain looking at the offensive line and trying to provide some insights. We will specifically watch both tackles to try to get a feel for that uh, in the coming days. But, yeah, I think Jed is, again, he's trying – to fix some things he's had wrong, but he's just got to continue to understand. And there has to be some quarterback tackle understanding of what do you prefer? Do you prefer to, to work out of the pocket laterally? Do you prefer if I protect you more inside? Like he has to give you an idea of what he wants to, how he likes to feel that out. You know what I'm saying? So um, it wasn't clean today. It wasn't clean. Today. And again, the football field is sloppy and yeah. defenders are in the advantage because of that. Cause they're coming up field and tackles are playing reactionary stuff. So we are we're very careful at the OBR right now jumping to any conclusions about this game due to the weather. Like we're, we're pointing out some things that have happened here and there, but yeah. we're obviously very cognizant of like the weather impacts this game. So I think the biggest thing I can say is that it felt like the Browns handled the conditions of this atmosphere and this game and this weather in a, in a much cleaner fashion than the Bengals. Right. Oh, there's, there's one question. Oh, and, much I thought, cleaner. and I thought Jed did uh, some things pretty well. I thought the interior was pretty good. Yeah. throughout this game offensive line wise uh, I know David didn't have an impact in the passing game but there were some specific blocking elements of what he was doing that I really enjoyed and that's what makes David so fun is you know he can be so deadly in both phases he makes him such a unique tight end um, but but again if they hit a couple plays they hit that good one reverse throw touchdown if they don't fumble the Jerome Ford ball doesn't get fumbled yes. Yes. you're talking about more points on the board guys so yep. Yep. 24 I mean how how great is it I kind of want to hit some real real high points two things Yes. Dustin Hopkins, what's up, man? Welcome. It was to coming. Brown. It was coming. We, that was coming. We, yes. Hey, we've yes. done enough negative kicker talk. Some Dustin Hopkins love of just like, I'm going to be honest. The way I know a kicker is I, I, you start to feel comfortable in them is if you just don't watch the PAT. That's you it. just kind of like you're looking you get away. Up and you get and it's your like, beer. it's, it's yep. good. Yeah, it's good. Yep. I don't have to worry about it. Or I'm not nervous about a 42-yard kick. Yep. So, you know, it's one game. It was our first exposure to this guy. You could feel the relief of the crowd when the first one went in, and then it was just – steady right man. down the middle steady. So, and, and, and again conditions. rough conditions yeah rough exactly conditions. Yeah, Brad, nice yeah great exactly great point guys so yeah we pour uh, uh whatever uh beverage out for him uh, for sure. very good job and then, no he's still alive he's fine he's alive he's very alive but this is a good pour pour we're pouring oh, it into his mouth we're pouring it into his mouth he's drinking i actually saw did you guys see zadarius smith was waiting yes, in the browns absolutely yeah he was waiting in the browns uh what is like, that area called so, down there right by the tunnel I can't remember. That is, that's the, that's like the little club. That's like the, spe I don't know what it is. The special club, uh, but he it's that awesome. a drink. It's, he wanted a awesome. drink after the game. He deserved so, it. So let's, yeah, you're, we're doing highlights. This is a highlight. I think the, the Browns defense, it's not just the physicality piece. 
the personalities, right? I, I mm-hmm. noticed when Zadarius was giving his quotes in the locker room that Dalvin Tomlinson was holding a water bottle up into the shot to try and interview Zadarius with like they're having fun. They're a team. The stuff that that the Browns talked about this offseason in terms of getting cohesion, getting these guys to kind of buy in and become a little bit more of a brotherhood. I think it's happening. I mean, the way yeah. that they came together when they made big plays, the way they celebrated together, I, I, I really think th- that stuff, it's intangible and you don't ever want to make too much out of it, right? Because it, it you can't measure it. But I, I, I feel like I see it happening. I see a lot of guys who are really excited to be playing in this defense. And that's after what we have seen over the past few years. I mean, it's it's like catnip. I can't get enough of it. Yeah. Hey, listen, I did I did want to bring up a, a, a couple things on that defensive line while you have brought that up, and this is for the positive. First of all, I, I saw this on Twitter. Mike B brings it up in the comments. Uh, from Seth Walder on Twitter, Miles Garrett had a pass rush get-off time uh, of .58 seconds today, which is the fastest average time in a game from last year, which was also Miles Garrett. That dude gets off the line better than anybody. And I will say this, this did not happen. And one name that I wanted to bring up and give a lot of kudos to here tonight, it did not happen on the OBR here, but I think nationally a name that kind of got lost in the shuffle when we're talking about Dalvin Tomlinson and Zadarius Smith and Miles Garrett, we all damn near did a backflip when the Browns signed Oboa Karankwo, right? That was like the guy we wanted. The Zadarius Smith thing was a total surprise for all of us. That was the guy we wanted. And he came out on fire today. He was really good in this game uh, from both a pursuit uh, perspective when the Bengals were trying to run the ball and just getting after Joe Burrow. Uh, that guy deserves some praise because he was the guy that we wanted. He played a, he played a great game. Uh, I just kind of want to piggyback a little bit off of what Andrew was saying, too. Uh, I totally uh, agree. Kind of pounding the table all last year like, Where's the identity? There's no identity here uh, until if you really want a good defense, they have to have an identity and they have to be playing for each other. And That's like uh, I posted in the insider central that they on Thursday night, they got together and watched the got food, the old defense, you know, player initiated and, and watched the Thursday night game together. Uh, something we haven't seen in the past from this group. Right. Uh, it feels like there is real chemistry there. Like, they are celebrating for each other. They are enjoying every minute of it, especially today when it's as dominant as it was. But certainly they are playing with that edge and attitude that we've been begging for. Makes them so much easier to like, so much easier to root for. So for sure. I would say, yeah, and, and Oboe was a huge part of that, Mike, to your point. I was just going to say, give me some other names. You know, while we're out here uh, kind of giving everybody credit, give me other names that you guys want to give out. I think I think Grant Delbit's a guy yep. that stands out in my head. Grant Delbit was everywhere today he is Mm -hmm. he just keeps getting better it just feels like grant delbit keeps getting better and better and better and better and better and today was a great example of that uh who else who haven't we talked about this is a a small one but let's give a shout out to harrison bryant i mean the the guy missed a significant chunk of the preseason with an undisclosed illness comes back catches a touchdown pass and contributed a lot because they were in 13 a lot there in the second half he blocked well. I, th- I think, you know, he was uh, at, at times was being used as a little bit of a H-back fullback type. I, I You know, th- these are the types of role players where it's like, you know, this offseason, it's like maybe they don't bring Bryant back. Maybe they try and, you know, find a cheaper option for tight end three. But he did exactly what you want your tight end three to do. And, and then a touchdown pass. So great day for Harrison. 
A uh, couple linebackers both played significant yeah. snaps coming off major injuries and looked yeah, really comfortable playing against. Sione Taki Taki is, again, and I didn't watch che- enough of Cheeto to see, like, these ACL recoveries are getting wild. Like, these yep. guys are getting ACLs in season and coming back the next year opener and, and playing. But Walker coming back off the quad, I thought both of those guys looked looked really comfortable. Um, the slot stuff with Greg Newsom, he looked quite comfortable we'll see what happened with rodney mcleod but i felt like he was in the right place at the right time a majority of that football game and amari cooper i thought was just open a few times where he could have had an 80 90 100 yard game yeah for sure and um it just didn't you know by no fault of his own didn't happen and again marquis good what we say all offseason that guy plays he's gonna run like 10 to 12 routes and he's gonna be open and yep. he had a couple touchdown balls that could have come to fruition today so you know the wide receiver group i thought was pretty good from mm-hmm. from just watching you know i'm the, the, the doing what they could do david bell's drop was a bummer because you know he, he, that's not like him he does not right tend to drop the football was just worried about what was coming from that left like he was catching that ball and the seam on his outside it was weird he had turned his body so it was his left shoulder he, he just it was very weird i didn't that was a bummer for him um i thought jerome ford bounced back well after the fumble you know you could give up on that player and not play him the rest of the game but they continued to give him chances yep. i thought he ran well i mean obviously i think he only ended up averaging like 2.5 per carry but that was because they just wanted to get them how about the browns playing a game in which they are seven minutes left and they're just trying to run the clock out i thought that was pretty fun doesn't happen very often so you know the Bengals were stacking the box but to come back off of that fumble and play pretty comfortably i thought was was really good to see um other than that i think i mean denzel playing most of the game and yeah Seeming fine coming off of a concussion is is, is fantastic, right? There were so many plays that he made in this game. Like he he looked really good. I mean, there's there's nobody on defense that you're going to look at and be like, man, he looked really bad today. (laughs) But Denzel Ward, that was that was very pleasant to see him. A guy that we didn't know was going to play until a couple days ago came out and looked like that uh, was really good to see. The thing that Denzel does, and MJ Emerson was fantastic, obviously. Like, I don't even know why, to, you know, they should have stopped throwing his way. He just was blanketing everything. But uh, the thing about Ward, at the point of catch, like, he doesn't have the size and length that Emerson does, but he still finds a way to get it done. He fights. Uh, today, and a couple contested catches, he still found a way to, to deflect the ball and get it loose. So kudos to him. Uh, coming off of a concussion week and playing that well, I will. Everybody's kind of mentioning Jim Donovan in the chat. I did want to, yeah, mention I was just going to say that, yeah, uh, that uh, that's really sucks uh, for him, and uh, he will certainly be missed. And you know, I mean, what a bummer. Come uh, back soon. Yeah, yeah, Jim Jimmy Donovan, one of the greats in the uh, radio broadcasting industry, uh, and and things. Um, just a little difficult for him right now with his cancer, his well-known cancer. He'll, he'll uh, be back. Battle. Yep. So he'll be back. Yep. here's hoping he's back. Uh, I think the Browns are going to bring in, I think it's Chris Rose, yep. uh, uh, Clevelander guy that loves the Browns. Uh, so uh, him, Chris Rose and Zagura are going to have great chemistry. It'll be fun mm-hmm. to listen to, but uh, nobody's Jimmy Donovan. So no. here's, here's hoping uh, Jimmy gets back quickly. All right, boys, listen, I want to do two more things before we get out of here. Okay. All right. Um, the 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 next thing I want to do, just and again, this isn't specific, but any kind of final thought, like how much should be put into this game? Like we're sitting here talking about, we've done our roundtables, we've done our season predictions, we all had the Browns win in double. I think we all had the Browns win in double digit games, right? When we yep. predicted, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, all yeah. of us. Yep. yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
But we, we looked at the beginning of the season and we looked at the beginning of the schedule and said, man, three, first of all, three division games in the first four uh, with Tennessee sprinkled in there. And, and it's the Bengals to open things up who are a Super Bowl hopeful type team. Uh, after seeing what they did, and, and you can talk about all the elements and everything, but they were both on an even playing field today. After seeing what they did today, how are we feeling now? How are we feeling about all those predictions, that whole offseason, all those predictions? We feeling, are we feeling, like, how are we feeling? Let's talk about the first four games. I think I should maybe, like, bring that back a little bit. Yeah. Talk about just the first four. It was, well, it was a weird Sunday, though. Like, if you look at the scores across the league, yeah. like, the Rams blowing out the Seahawks, like, there's just some like Green Bay blown out Chicago. I don't think anyone saw them. I mean, San Francisco beats the snot out of Pittsburgh, which, you know, the uh, preseason hype there. Um, I, I will <laughs> just say this. Like if you told if you had if somebody came into the NFL realm today, just like, hey, I would like to watch football. I'm going to watch the NFL. And they watch this Cincinnati team play today. And then that same Cincinnati team somehow magically ends up in the Super Bowl at the end of the year. You'd be like, there's no way. What? Like, there's no way like th- that. I just don't know if there were given enough. I, again, it's one game. It's a home over, but it is the regular season and it is a division game. And I am just sort of still blown away by how non-competitive the Cincinnati offense was. So like a huge takeaway for me is, is figuring out in these first four, you talked about a game in Pittsburgh on Monday night, winning a regular season game in Pittsburgh in a primetime slot you want to talk about defeating some ghosts. That would be huge. We'll get to that conversation later in the week, but like, you know, I'm just hungry as a viewer analyst, whatever to see how good this defense is, right? Like how good really, they didn't have one Thornhill today. who I think is going to help significantly like how good they really are. They play a Baltimore team in the first four weeks that lost JK Dobbins and does not have a real running back threat. Pittsburgh is dealing with, Cameron Hayward I know that's the other side of the ball but like Kenny Pickett was not good today and you know their offensive line struggled and and George Pickens is storming out of the locker room upset like their offense is clearly like we thought we were going to be this in the preseason this is now much harder because teams are actually playing starters and and maybe like you know kind of giving us coverage differences from pre-snap to post I love love preseason stock but like I just think that like I'm most anxious to see if the Browns defense was a gigantic beneficiary of, of, of a, a disinterested Bengals team in the weather, or are they really, really good? Right. I think that's what we should all be really interested in watching in the first four games. And you look at it and, you know, they have some games here that I think that they can win, right? Like again, Baltimore pulled away in the second half, but that was a seven, six game with Houston at the half. So there's opportunity here to uh, to get off to a really hot start in the first four weeks before the bye, and I think that the goal should be to get to three and one. It really should. Absolutely. I I felt like today for me legitimized, and I realized that the Bengals kind of went into a hole in this one uh, or punted, as you said. But the, I mean, some of their play today legitimized what I thought this defense could be. So I feel really good about that and going forward. And let's hope that we see that more. I guess my questions are more on the offensive side of the ball uh, takeaways from today. So kind of like, you know, uh, we didn't get the real answers we wanted on Deshaun, although I do think there was some really good stuff at the end of that game that may, you know, pay dividends moving into next week. Uh, but hey, they a massive win 
if you would have told me that they could win week one, and, you know, against Cincinnati, 24 to three, uh, you know, the, the Steelers would get spanked and Pickett would look bad. And then we get to go there on Monday night. Uh, that's the ideal scenario for the way this season to start, I think. So uh, I'm all for it. And uh, listen, today was so much fun. What a way to start this season, yeah. a season that is just showered with, you know, pressure and expectation that really the rest of the nation doesn't quite understand the pressure cooker that's going on here in Cleveland. Right. Uh, and it's, it's real. And today was, uh, an absolute gem. Well, yeah, I, I would just say that, uh, you know, I think we saw a game a lot like, uh, the first half of this game unfold last season, uh, when the Browns came out and went three and out to start the third quarter, when they had a chance to kind of really capitalize on that momentum, it felt it, it really took me back to some of those games last year where, they had opportunities to put the game away and they didn't take them sort of consistently. Uh, this game obviously went differently in the fourth quarter, but it's worth remembering the final score is 24-3, but it was a closer game than that. It was 13-3 going into the fourth quarter. And the way that they took care of business down the stretch is new for this team. That is not something that this team has made a habit of doing, uh, finding ways to put the other team down uh, and really close them out of the game is not something that the Browns are specialized in. And so their ability to do that, I think, gives you hope. Going forward, I talked about it uh, earlier. I, I This was kind of my, my prediction going into the season was that the defense I thought was ready to play. And if the offense needed a little bit more time to find its best version, the defense could buy at that time. And I think that's what we're seeing. If you look at the, the three teams coming up before the bye, I think it's fair to say whatever Pittsburgh's offense is, it's certainly going to be below average uh, in the NFL. Uh, you know, it, it was a it was a struggle for them to move the ball today. And then Tennessee also struggled in New Orleans. The Ravens had quite a few struggles against Houston. So this defense playing at this level can give the offense the time and space that it needs to come together, which means that the Browns should be in all three of these games coming up. And if you have a chance to win and you have a quarterback that even if he doesn't have his best game, it takes advantage of those opportunities to scramble for a touchdown, check into the right call and scramble for a touchdown to, uh, you know, execute the play fakes to uh, stick the ball across the goal line on a two point conversion. That sort of stuff wasn't happening last year and it wasn't happening in 2021. So even if he's not going to be out of the gates, top five quarterback, the the winning time plays are showing up. They showed up this week. I expect them to show up next week. And I think that combined with this defense puts the Browns in every game uh, for this first quarter of the season. So I'm my expectations are very high. Sometimes I think we get a little tainted by like the brown and orange stuff, right? Where you, you just carry the past ghosts of what yes. they've seen for yes. 20 years. Yep. And, the, you know, I was reading yes. what Joe Burrow had to say about Denzel and Martin Emerson and Newsom. He said, they have really good corners. Denzel and Emerson are two of the better corners in the league. I think Newsom's a great nickel, too. They have a great secondary. Obviously, we weren't good enough. But I know that you had posted some top 27 list of corners in the league, and like they have three of these guys in here in an, an organization where Pittsburgh has other strengths, but like they don't have any. And it's like, I think we have to sometimes, and I'm, I'm sure that they're talking to their guys about this as well, but like, hey, Denzel was the fourth pick in the draft. Emerson is obviously the first pick that they selected a few years ago, but is, is clearly leveled up from a third 
round selection. Newsom was a first round guy. JOK is a second round guy. Miles is a first overall pick. Zadarius has been a preeminent player. Tomlinson, like you guys have to stop worrying about the ghosts of the franchise yes. before you. And just when you look at the collective of the talent here, and I know we've been doing this, but we also as observers, and I know we try to analyze that's what we're doing at the OBR, but we come from a fan background too. You just carry that stigma of guys in the past. And I, I, th I think that that's something that they're trying to really break this year. And this game was so important for that. If they go to Pittsburgh on Monday night football and bring their a game and show up there and beat those guys in a game yep. that they're used to winning, watch. I, I was watching it and probably talking about it too much during the game today, but like, I really wanted to see how Pittsburgh opened with San Francisco. Cause that's tough going West coast to East. And yep. like they were getting just mauled and they had no the answer. They had no, they used, like the body yep. language was awful. Mm -hmm. And I think that they think that they're customarily thinking we always get the Browns at home and we always beat them. And I saw somebody in the chat ask about this. When was the last time the Browns beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh in the regular season? And it was, let's just say Tim couch was the quarterback. Yep. That's how long it's been. Now they won the playoff game, but that's not a regular season game. And there's just a level of Pittsburgh arrogance that thinks they're just going to win that. So if you want to prove it to us that, oh, you guys are real, real contenders in the AFC, go to Pittsburgh, primetime football game, and win that game. If that happens, yeah. look out. Look and out. listen, and listen, for me, the takeaway of this, uh, especially offensively, good teams win when they don't play well. Good mm -hmm. teams win when they mm -hmm. don't play their best. And the Cleveland Browns didn't just win today when they didn't play their best offensively. They ran away with a game when they didn't play their best offensively. Now, listen, I won't say they didn't play their best defensively because I don't know how many. I, I, if you could play that way defensively all season, you, you might you might run right to the Super Bowl because that was wild. But they did not play their best offensively and they ran away with a victory against a team that's supposed to be a Super Bowl contender. I don't know how much better you could feel after a game without seeing Deshaun Watson throw for 500 yards and five touchdowns. Like, I don't know how much better you could feel. Agreed. So last thing, boys, before we get out of here, uh, and and you just you just brought it up, Jake, but I want your earliest, uh, all of you, just go around. I want your earliest thoughts on Cleveland in the whiteout unis next week. In the, I'm so, I don't know, why am I so excited for that? I'm so excited to see Wait, what Wait, did they announce like a uniform schedule this year? Did I miss that? There's the three games. They announced the three oh, games that they're wearing the white. They usually wear those orange pants on the rival road <laughs> games. So that's cool to see the whites. I love the they're all going, white uniforms. And the white coming. helmets. They're going yeah, the they, white helmets. Only, all of it. Oh, they're wearing the all whites, the whitey whites. Yes. I forgot white. about that. All whites. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're wearing the tighties. Okay. I'm a, yeah. I'm abnormally excited for this, but tell me about your initial thoughts, early thoughts. We saw what the Steelers did, but again, that's a 49ers team that people are picking to go to the Super Bowl as well. Yeah. So they're, they're not going to win. They're not going to win 30 to 7. It's not going to be that kind of game, but they just have to find a way to win it, right? They're going <laughs> to. They're gonna they're gonna be Dude, like, like Pittsburgh is uh Pittsburgh's tough at home. They're tough at home against the Browns. Like there's like if it's the stigma of the Browns play the Bengals really well, especially at home, Pittsburgh and Cleveland, it's 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 just a mental hurdle. They gotta get over. They're the more talented team. I have thought this from the freaking second the offseason concluded going into OTAs, and then the and then the narrative around the you know the uh, NFL's bigger minds has shifted since the preseason. Andrew and I have gone back and forth on this like crazy, this scratch your head. So enigma. much. It is like this thing about Pittsburgh. They're this, so this team that the darling come along this preseason. Well, Pittsburgh got their, their teeth punched in the first game. They, like I said, 
you can really put this 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 uh, damper on who they think they are if they get their mouth punched in week one, embarrassed at home, and then you go in there and they lose two home games right off the bat. So yep. I'm not here to say the Browns are going to 30 to seven them. They have the better roster. They should win this football game. However, you can get it done though. I don't care if the scoreboard says three to two, however you get it done, you need to win that football game in Pittsburgh to get over that mental hurdle. Cause the Browns, as we talked about in the Kevin Stefanski area have played every division team well at home. So if you were to get this one on the road, that's a great launching point to the season. So Browns are better, more complete roster. They should go there. They should take care of business, but it is not going to be pretty and it's going to be a real challenge. So I hopefully they, uh, that they're up for it. Cause it's a great opportunity in a primetime slot. Ty Sox makes some really great points in the chat about some stuff, but here again, he mentioned, and they were going through it at the beginning of the game on the broadcast today. If you recall, they mentioned the teams with the most new players and they were like, this team has 27 new guys. This team has 27 new guys. But these teams are going to be dog crap, right? Mm -hmm. But the Browns have 24 new guys and they have Super Bowl aspirations or can, you know, and I thought that was an interesting point made in, in the chat. He just pointed out, a lot of these new guys don't have that stigma that yep. Jake was talking about. So, you know, this influx of, although some of it is due to bad drafting, uh, you know, the the addition of all this talent and these new guys that come from the Eagles and Kansas City and other backgrounds, right, don't have this stigma of going into Pittsburgh, we're going to lose. I think it's okay. We said before this Bengals game, if they win, the city's going to be on fire. I think the city's already going to be on fire going into this game about mm-hmm. this team. Uh, so absolutely. I, I just think that, yeah, and they should be. And so I just think that uh, ride this momentum in there. And, and you know, I, I believe, you know, I, we saw a lot today to hang our hats on defensively. Uh, and really, I want to, you know, the coaching staff did an incredible job, I thought. Yeah defense offense uh navigating this game better to andrew's point earlier better than we've ever really seen them handle uh, a game script so really well done Corey bohorquez deserves some shout out too he flipped the field several times he had one that came off rough he had one bad one but in the elements yeah he flipped the field man a couple big punts where you're like you feel like we've seen that happen to the browns never for them uh, Bubba deserves credit yeah, for special teams, good. teams and his, and his holdings. His unit. holding seemed okay. Yeah. His holding hey, he seemed put the holding. He put okay. the holding nonsense to arrest. I mean, yeah. you know, right? Yeah. All those numbers and spikes and valleys. That, hey, for, at least for a short sample size, he put the holding. Uh, Mike, Mike, can I uh, make a prediction for next week? I'm I would love you to. I'd love I got you to. I got the Browns fifty-six, Steelers three, yes. as, it, as it should be. As it should. Hey, listen. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If, if, if we want the Browns to have the special season, if we want the Browns to do the things that they haven't done before, if we want them, then it's only fitting that they start breaking some of these damn things that have been following them that have been causing these stigmas. That's how it has to, to go. Number one is win a home opener at home for the first time since Jeff freaking Garcia was your quarterback. That's step one. Step Hope two. Hope you're well, Jeff. Hope you're well. Step two, as Dave Roberts says, yep. go into Pittsburgh and win a regular season game in Pittsburgh. I, I remember that. That was also a primetime game. That was mm-hmm. Tim Couch in primetime yep. that Orange won fans. that game. Mm-hmm. I should say, too. That won that game. Yeah. Go to Pittsburgh and win this game against a team that you are most definitely superior to. Yep. Most 100% definitely. You, for, the first, for the first time in such a long time, you, could, you are clearly a superior team than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Go in and do that. Start breaking some of these 
these these things that have been binding you down. You did it today. I think they do it again next week. I'm so excited huge. to watch that game. To and come all out of a sudden, and like 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 Mike to come out and do that in week one hasn't been done in uh, in 20 years, and to to again do the same thing in year week two. I mean, again, they're early season games, and your season's not defined until you get to the end of it, and you obviously want to be on all cylinders, but you have to. You have to prove it to yourself that you belong, man. Like That's you it. have to, they have to believe in themselves that they belong. And you're making a great point, Mike, like this, the break, the stigmas, man. And I know that you, some guys haven't been here, but show, show the people in the stadium. Like if you get a chance, guys go rewatch with full audio, the mile sack on that yes. fourth down decision. Yes. 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 This place, if they just give the fans confidence the Bengals were all over the place. Delay of games. It yep. can get back to what it used to be when your dad talks about me, you know, the munis, you know, the dog pound and what it was really like. It can get there, but you got to give these people something to believe in in that way again. And it, and it, and I really, I mean, it can happen. It could be a real home they, field advantage again. They kept switching to that end zone camera, and it was just shaking. It yep. was just shaking yep. when yep. they were switching to that camera, and that is awesome. So yeah, if listen, you're, if you're at the you, game, great job. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, go, you go to Pittsburgh next week. We'll see what they do. I think we're all feeling really good after this week, and and that's that's one more stigma they can break. Is is mm-hmm. for years? It's not just breaking that that streak of not winning in Pittsburgh. It's for years we've won games, felt really good about them, and then lost the next one. Win one, feel really good about it, lose the next one. Don't do that. Go win the next one. Make us feel really good. And let's come out of this first four weeks going, oh, holy shit, <laughs> the Cleveland Browns are for real because i that's where we're at. After this game, that's where we're at. So, boys, the Cleveland Browns, a 24-3 to victory in the elements at home, the first home victory since 2004. They beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Their defense dominates the Cincinnati Bengals. They make them look pedestrian. Jake, you got a finger up in the air. Yeah, last thing before we go, we have not had 600 people inside of a show at the OBR since the draft of like two years ago when they had yep. a first-round pick. Let's and, go. Um, hey, nighttime yep. seems to be the right time. Mm-hmm. We'll do these all in the evening hours, even after the primetime games. You guys make it worth it, man. So just wanted to say 600 yeah, people watching the show is yeah. really cool. So thank you. thanks, guys, for showing thank up. You, and those you. of you who donated um, on, on either platform, uh, it helps us drive some really fun content for you guys and makes it Amen. all worth it. And uh, it gives us a great forum to all chat and have fun around this football team because we just want to have fun around this football team. Yeah. So thanks for That's that. That's it. Yep. There'll be shows all week too. Yeah. I have, feeling, I have a feeling we'll be, uh, I have a feeling we'll be up late next oh, yeah. Monday night. I have a feeling we'll be up late next Monday night celebrating, great point. Great celebrating. Point. So yeah. listen, every week, uh, outside of the primetime, uh, primetime games will just go right after the game. But every week during the regular time slot, 7.30, right here on the OBR streaming network, Twitch, YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button on both of those, uh, wherever you're watching. Hit that like button. Look at Bradley. Bradley's doing my job for me. Bradley, hit that like he's button. He's a pro. Telling people. He's yeah, he's a pro. Yes. Hell yeah, he's a pro. Hell yeah, he's a pro. Uh, but join us for the post games. And then again, this week, we got our whole slate of shows. Join Jake Monday night. As he breaks things down, it's a, it's a, I'm sorry to tell you, but it's a whole night of me uh, uh, Tuesday nights uh, where I'm going to bring in a guest to talk about the Steelers game. We got Garage Beers Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Uh, and then Wednesday, OBR Weekly. Thursday, Brad Ward, All Eyes on Cleveland. You got Andrew and Jake on the, uh, on the podcast as well. So it's just, it's all, and then everything that happens on the website as well. Make sure you are subscribed. 
make sure you are tuned in. Uh, it has been absolutely phenomenal. The Cleveland Browns are 1-0. They beat the Cincinnati Bengals 24-3. We will see you next week, hopefully celebrating a 2-0 start. Until then, for Brad, for Jake, for Andrew, for everybody at the OBR, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for hanging out with us, and we'll see you next week. Cheers. Go Browns, everybody. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.